I talk all the time about the importance of having a why in your business. Having a why is that foundation that every business owner should build their business upon, simply because when the rough patches come, which they will, when the business gets hard, which it will, having a strong why behind what you do helps push past those challenges. A lot of businesses can struggle with this, or maybe the why gets lost in the what, the what they're doing. But today's guest is helping businesses and people get back to their why so that they can be better at doing their what. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Ryan McCarty, the co-founder of Culture of Good, a program about teaching other businesses to increase employee engagement by encouraging employees to bring their souls to work. But let me tell you, Culture of Good is about so much more, and I can't possibly sum it up in just a blurb. So you're going to have to listen to the show. Without further ado, on to my conversation with Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Molly. It's so great to be on here with you. I'm glad to have finally met. I've seen you on social media and know a little bit about what you do. And I know I'm on here so you can find out more about me, but it's, <laughs> it's great to meet you finally. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about this doing this podcast is so many of the guests that I get to interview either. It's funny. They kind of fall into two categories. I either know them really well or I feel like I know them really well because I stalk yeah. them on social media. <laughs> so it's like. I know. Like, yeah, we're friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I feel like I know you really well because I stalk you on social media in the least creepy way possible. Um, <laughs> it's all good. I, know. I understand. I know. Sure. Well, it's funny because sometimes if I like if I'm out and about and I run into somebody who reads my blog or follows me on Instagram or listens to the podcast or something and then they'll you know they'll like know stuff about me and then they're like is that creepy that I know that and I'm like it would be creepy if I didn't share it but it's not creepy because I this is stuff I share (laughs) right it's only like real creepy stockiness if it's like they know stuff about you that you haven't shared (laughs) exactly 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 um well without further ado to learn more about you so that we will not be creepy uh, or something I don't even know is uh I'm gonna have you do what I have all my guests do and that's give us the Ryan 101. So tell us your story because you have just such a unique story and a unique background that I am really excited to learn more about it. So thank you for asking. Um, You know, my story really starts with um, a little bit of tragedy, actually. So when I was um, five years old, my mom was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. So Uh, early on, uh, the realities of how broken our world is and just uh, tragedy and, and all of that uh, really is is kind of how my life started. I mean, my dad was a heroin addict, had come back from Vietnam, met my uh, mom, who was a nurse at a local VA hospital. And apparently when you have a drug addict and a nurse come together, you get Ryan. So that's kind of how my life starts. But <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, uh, but no, it's, I mean, I say that jokingly because, but it's true. It's like, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I didn't have the, the best start uh, to life. So by the time I was six, my mom's 
sickness and depression really took over. And um, at six years old, my mom committed suicide, oh. which is kind of the the um, climax of tragedy in terms of my life and, and really the beginning of a journey for me from that point moving forward of asking the question, having come out of that type of tragedy early on is how do I live my life in a way that um, that I can find a, a greater sense of meaning and purpose. Uh, I always had a, a, a leaning toward wanting to matter. And, and I believe that comes from, uh, from that tragedy. You know, I, I think we find a lot of purpose uh, grows out of our own pain. Yes. And, um, and that pain really um, shifted though. Within a year, my dad had this spiritual awakening and uh, got off drugs and and uh, really had a, a life transformative year after my mom's suicide. And so that kind of led me into this whole uh, connection to church and doing like meaningful work and nonprofit work. And I just threw my life into that. I, I remember growing up after after uh, he remarried uh, my stepmom, and we were always giving back, doing good, um, collecting clothes and, and food, and and just volunteering our time. And of course, you know, back in that, in those days, if you went to church, you were there five days a week. And so I just connected into that culture so strong, and really had a sense of you know, this, this was my higher purpose and eventually, uh, you know, went into full-time ministry. There's a lot of steps along that path, but found myself becoming a pastor and starting after school programs with my wife, who I eventually married. And, um, obviously if she's my wife, I married her, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, building a school in Zambia, Africa. And, you know, again, just looking for for those moments that I could tie my life into saying that in spite of what I had been through, or maybe even because of what I went through, um, you know, finding a sense of meaning behind my life and, and leveraging my, my work in that way. So the first shoot, when I was 16, I moved... Um, from upstate New York to, to Brooklyn and started just doing full-time work with families and giving back and doing good. And just really, honestly, Molly, I just never looked back from that. I never went to college. I just felt like, you know, what am I going to learn sitting in a classroom that I couldn't learn being out on the street and doing good and being a part of volunteering. And, and, uh, it's where I felt fulfilled already. I knew what I wanted to do with my life and, yeah. And so I just really, you know, just threw my life into that space. And so for, shoot, um, you know, like I said, eventually becoming a pastor and then spending 20 years in that nonprofit, really over 20 years in that nonprofit uh, work, you know, very, very missions driven in terms of having a higher purpose and knowing that I had a sense of calling to really at the end of what I wanted to do is just make the world better, you know, like yeah. find a need and meet it. One of my mentors, when I moved to Brooklyn, uh, used to say that the need is the call. Like if you want to find your life calling and purpose, uh, that's how I would define calling is really a sense of purpose is, is to, to find a need 
and meet it. Like if you have the resource to be able to do that. And so, you know, like I said, eventually got married, had, we have two girls and, um, you know, just really raised them with that sense of purpose as well. And, and now they're freelancers and in business and, and running their own, um, own, uh, works and my wife as well. And we're all just kind of like in what you do, like the business with purpose. So, yeah. Um, now I find myself in the corporate world outside of nonprofit work and, and we can get into details of that, but, yeah. um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, if I were to define, you know, what Ryan is about, I, you know, at the very core of, of who I am, it's, it's, I just, I just want to use my life in a way that makes the world a better place. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'm still searching for that sense of, of meaning and, and, and I believe that happens when we do good for others. So Amen. that's a lot. I, I know that's that. a lot, but that's, that's kind of like everything all at, you know, in, in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand. And, you know, I just, you know, obviously this episode is about you, um, but I connected with something very personally. Um, and you mm-hmm. just talked about how, how you kind of found um, a greater sense of meaning and purpose out of pain and tragedy. Yeah, um, yeah. And you, you had mentioned that your dad served in Vietnam and um, your mom was a nurse. My mom was actually a nurse in Vietnam. <laughs> and so she um, so she served in Vietnam. She died when I was 17 um, from a oh. disease that she had contracted due to her exposure to, of um, from Agent Orange. And yeah, my dad has that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's amazing how many people I've connected with these days whose parents or grandparents served in Vietnam and, um, you know, and they were exposed to Agent Orange and, and it's sort of that silent killer that has kind of, you know, come back and, um, or people are dealing with the effects of it so many years later. Um, but you know, I mean, my mom came back and fought with so many demons when she came home from Vietnam and, um, you know, and, and suffered with, you know, from, uh, dealing with, uh, drugs and alcohol and things like that. She was in therapy and she, she actually wrote about this in her book. Um, but she talks about when she was in therapy, she didn't even tell her therapist that she had served in Vietnam. Like that's wow. how painful it was is that she would talk about all these other issues, but wouldn't even yeah. address the fact that she had served in Vietnam. And that was, the core of what she was struggling with. And, um, and, but so I just, you know, and so losing my mom, but, but seeing her live her life out of, you know, she really found purpose, um, from her pain when she, once she got sober and she wanted to help other veterans, especially women veterans and Vietnam vets. And, you know, so I, as a, as a child, I went with her to every speaking event she had, every, um, I mean, pretty much you name it. I like grew up around old Vietnam vets and, yeah, you know, so here beautiful. we, yeah. And so here we are in the late eighties into the nineties and I'm just surrounded by, um, by these people who are, who are turning Perp- or who are, are trying to fulfill a life of purpose out of their pain. And so yeah. once I think when my mom died, I didn't know how to cope with that loss. And here I am now in my 30s, and it's really started to all make sense of why I have such a, a, a great passion for this is because I, 
I saw it modeled through my mom and the people that she surrounded herself with. And so that's why I just, I wanted to just share that because I really connected. No, with that's what, crazy. Yeah. yeah it's with, such a parallel, isn't it? Yeah. Like my dad, my dad was, um, my, my aunt actually brought my dad down to the VA hospital cause she found him strung out in an alley. Yeah. And I mean, there were moments where he was yeah. a vegetable. I mean, I'm talking like extreme drug addict, yeah. like, yeah, four hundred and four hundred dollars a day habit back in the early seventies. Yeah, my you know mom's... what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. intense, and like yeah. so for me, like looking at, I don't care who it is, if it's somebody strung out on the street, I just, I, I just see hope. You know, oh, like I just don't absolutely. know what to do with that, other than to know if it could happen for my dad. Like he was an extreme case and he he's been through two different bouts of cancer himself and one of them is a result of agent orange mm -hmm. yeah it's uh, um my mom's you know she really i i think poured more into alcohol um oh. but she had severe severe ptsd and so many vets at that time just you know they didn't have the support they didn't have the resources and they had nowhere to turn and especially you have to think culturally at this time, you know, this was a time sure. when the war was not loved by Americans. Veterans were not loved by Americans. They were coming home and being called baby killers. They were being called, you know, right. being called murderers. They were, you know, they were being called horrible names. And so yeah. here you have these men and women, these kids. I mean, they were kids. And they're coming home from yeah. Vietnam and they're being treated like absolute dog crap. And so you know, when, when you have no resources to, to give them support for PTSD, when you have no resources to give them support for all of the, the emotional tr trauma that they're dealing with. And, and anyway, right. you, of course, where else are they going to turn? They're going to turn to drugs and alcohol. Um, well, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the most beautiful things that I witnessed was when I was going with my dad to his cancer treatments um, at a, another VA hospital and we were in the room and the gentleman came in. I don't know if he was a veteran or not, but he was just going, he goes from room to room every week and he just thanks the the Vietnam vets mm. and, and those that have served in other wars as well, just yeah. room by room. And, and when he looked at my dad and, and said, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you're talking decades later, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I just looked over my dad's eyes are just filled with tears, you know? And, uh, it was just one of those moments that, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to, you know, live your life in a, in a way and to give, uh, sometimes it's a thank you, right? Sometimes yes. it's a, a word of encouragement or, you know, we think about these big companies that do these huge um, amount of good in the world and they get all this PR and press. And, and at the end of the day, sometimes it's just looking at a, uh, that and, and saying thank you, oh, you know, yes. or or someone who served, and so yeah, it was just you know, it's been a it's been quite an adventure. Um, yeah, experiencing that now he's you know can, he's still married to my stepmom. There, um, they've adopted several special needs boys out of foster care. So uh, oh, wow. they, uh, it's just it's fascinating to to see how, you know, like you're talking about, and as I brought up, like out, out of your, out of your pain comes purpose because you can only know your own passion, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and, and when that passion is inside of you, a lot of times that comes from because you've, you know, come past through that, you've come past something yourself. Like you, that's where compassion comes from, where passion, compassion, because you've come past it yourself. You Mm. walk through this, you have that empathy because you know it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, I want to talk about culture of good. Um, And this is, you know, this is something that you have kind of, you, you kind of found yourself, uh, in, in some ways. And so I, but I want to talk about this and I want to, um, I I would love for you to kind of share exactly what it is, how it, how it got started and how, what was sort of the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the catalyst for culture of good. Sure. So what culture of good, we, we do three things really well. We do employee engagement real well. Um, we do culture change and we do corporate social responsibility. So, uh, those are the three things we do really well. Now, culture of good came out of, like I said, over 20 years of nonprofit work. I found myself as a pastor, got up on stage on a Sunday morning. I had a mohawk and gauges in my ear and I've got (laughs) tattoos. I drink beer. I smoke cigars. That's my pastoral confession for the day. Not your typical (laughs) religious guy, right? Like, I'm just like, I'm going to be me. And I just believe God was able to use that to impact people's lives that maybe would never find themselves in church. Yeah. Or, you know, people that just, you know, just, it's funny, but it's just normal people, you know, not these cookie cutter type. And I got up on a Sunday morning and did this whole message about how your why should equal your what. Mm. So you wake up every day and you know what you have to do as a list of tasks. But if you don't know your why, then then you're missing this greater sense of purpose and you won't be fulfilled in your work and your life and in your family. And, and uh, unbeknownst to me, the CEO of the largest Verizon retailer in the country was out in the audience. Now we're talking small town, 29,000 people in the city, uh, this company started in, in the city. I didn't know who he was. He was a big deal, but I had no idea. And after, after my talk, he came up to me and he introduced himself. I still didn't know what he did. And he said, I'd love to hear more about that. Cause I own a company and I'd like to bring that message into my business because my employees need to know their why. You know, that they're not just showing up for a paycheck, but they have this greater sense of purpose. And I'd like to hear more about that. And so we sat down over chips and salsa that following week. All good things uh, happen over chips and salsa. All good things. I'm telling you. I am telling you. Life changing things. (laughs) Everything happens. Now it's like anytime we do anything creative, we get chips and salsa involved. It's great. Amen. And a margarita also. I love it. And, uh, and we sat down and just talked about his business, which was growing exponentially. And one of the risks with a a growing company is that you lose what made you special when you started. And that's culture. Culture is what makes your business special. And, uh, and so he wanted to connect his employees that gets to the employee engagement piece. And, we, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. I just knew that he had over 2,000 employees at that time. He was in 30-some states across America. When I found that out, I was like, 
here's an opportunity to really increase my influence in the world. And, and what I found out later is he asked me out to lunch because he had heard pastors give free advice. So he thought he was going to get free advice about how to bring this message of your why equaling your what within his business and give his employees a sense of purpose. And when he asked me what my advice would be to do that, I, without hesitation and without planning to do this, I said, hire me. And that was the beginning of like this conversation of Scott Moorhead, the CEO of the largest Verizon retailer in the country, hiring a pastor, uh, which he had just met that week. Um, and it took a few months for him to hire me. And, and there's a whole story that goes along with that where he um, had a traumatic brain injury and was oh lifelined goodness. and three skull fracture. It was, it, it was intense, but as mm. part of his recovery from that, he remembered our conversation that we had over chips and salsa. And that was this, <laughs> um, if you give your employees a sense of purpose and a greater sense of why they're going to come to work happier and more fulfilled because they know their contribution that's going to impact the customer experience it'll drive the business and by driving the business and producing results the company can actually do more good in the world mm. and um and also the second part of that conversation was when i looked at scott over chips and salsa and i said you're successful uh you have a growing company you're acquiring new businesses and, and I just kind of gave him the list. Um, but I asked him personally, I said, but, but why, um, what about your, why, like, what is your legacy? And, uh, you know, I think it was that, you know, near death experience that he had that really, really shook him to the core. And, and, you know, I, that was really a moving moment for him as it would be for any of us to say, you know, what really matters in, in this life is, is what we do for others. And, and, uh, and so he saw it as an opportunity to bring this message and this movement into his business. And so we, uh, he called me up as part of, uh, during his recovery and hired me to come into the company. And, and, uh, we, we embarked on doing some amazing amount of good within his business and, 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 I can share more about that if you'd like. Yes, it absolutely. Really Please started, do. It started with a backpack giveaway. Wow. So we, my wife and I had done backpack giveaways for a decade before they were cool and the trendy thing to do in business is this back to school thing that everybody's doing now. Yeah. Uh, we started with 25 backpacks 15 years ago and they kept growing every year. Eventually in our town through our church gave away a thousand backpacks and when he hired me to come into his company, we were looking for a way to really launch this culture of good and connect to his employees and customers and community on a very emotional level. Mm -hmm. And I had seen the tangible impact of giving back um, backpacks to families that just needed them, that needed the support that year. Maybe the a parent had lost a job or Whatever, whatever the family had found themselves in, it was a tangible way to say that we care. No sales gimmicks, no come into the store type stuff. And the first year that we did this uh, through his company, we gave away 60,000 backpacks with school supplies. And that became an emotional disruption in a positive way within his business. And, and we saw uh, emails, messages, 
picture, social media post of employees whose life was transformed in that moment where they were giving back to a family that, um, you know, the, the mom would start crying and the store manager would cry. This is stuff that doesn't happen in a retail location. Yeah. You know, it's like this, this real moving moment. And, and we realized we had to turn that moment into a movement and it needed to be more than just a typical corporate day of service, but it needed to be uh, really driven into the DNA of the business, you know, and, and that's the culture to build the culture of good that we started from that. I know you are loving this conversation with Ryan. And I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who is able to help make this show possible. And that's Causebox. As you know, Causebox is one of my favorite ethical subscription boxes. And I've been a subscriber for over two and a half years. How it works is each season, a new box is released filled with everything from accessories, home goods, and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but also they are doing the most good. The products are not just beautiful. They're also useful. The fall box was just announced and everything in it is absolutely incredible. Once again, then Causebox has gone and outdone themselves because they are amazing. Now, like the summer box, I know the fall box is going to sell out. It's not whether or not it's going to sell out. It is going to sell bo- sell out and probably pretty soon. So hurry on over to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use the coupon code MOLLY for $15 off to reserve that fall box. Now back to my conversation with Ryan. As you created Culture of Good, does it have, you know, a framework? Is this something that is duplicable through other businesses? Is this something that a business comes and hires you and you come in and implement it? How exactly does the structure of it work? And for the both the type A and then like the non-type A personalities, you know, the type A personalities are going to want to know, okay, what are the bullet points? Um, how exactly does this work? Yeah. Whereas other people are, you know, going to be more interested in the, um, is, you know, how do you sort of tap into that bringing your soul to work? How do you tap into that within, within employees? Cause it, sometimes it doesn't necessarily look like a very structured bullet point type program. We definitely have a very structured bullet point program now. At first, we didn't. So this is, you know, six years in. We, you know, uh, we've written a book called "Build a Culture of Good." It's a great starting point for companies that are asking, like, you know, what what are the right questions that we need to ask of ourselves and our employees? Because it really comes down to to finding the soul of your company. You know, like defining what it is that you do uh, is is half of the equation. The other half is why do you do it? It's again, back to that very message I spoke that Sunday morning, does your why equal your what? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what is the why of your business? Why are you in business? Who are your employees? Um, what are they passionate about? What makes them tick? The same for your customers. Aligning that with a cause uh, that is aligned with the core competency and the, the strategic intent of your business is, is really what we teach companies to do. Employee engagement, culture change, and corporate social responsibility all wrapped into one, but we can certainly do those as, as separate efforts within business. So we're hired to come in now. Yeah. Uh, after, as, as we were writing the book, we realized, you know, we, we need to learn what made the culture of good special um, within uh, his business, but also how do we replicate this to other companies? Yeah. And so 
through a lot of work, we we now have the structure of the culture of good as as five promises that we make individually as as um, employees, but also our teams and then the organization as a whole makes. Uh, those are promises that came out of the work that we had done to identify what made the culture of good so successful. Yeah. Um, and so now we've, over the last two years since publishing the book, we have worked really diligently to create a replicable type structure that could go into other companies and do that very work with them. Uh, so we have workshops, one to two day workshops uh, around finding your cause, the one that aligns with your business and also with your employees and customers. Uh, we have a workshop on the five promises and how to roll that out within your business. We have a platform that companies can uh, deploy to their employees and have training modules and videos and activities that uh, can be rolled out over a period of three weeks that introduce the culture of good, why equals what, more than a concept, but how do you live out the five promises within uh, your own work and within your team and the organization as well. Um, you know, I, I can come into uh, companies as well and, and do executive training and, and uh, we, we have webinars and, you know, really, really a, a lot of, a lot of products and, and uh, services that can lead into a company that's saying, how do we engage with our employees deeper than just, you know, giving free beer on a Friday or, you know, you can wear jeans to work or we're going to put a ping pong table in the break room. How do we engage with employees on, on that deeper soul kind of level where we yeah. give them permission to care yeah. and uh, connect to the soul of the business? And so, um, you know, that's that's where we see a lot of that culture change take place as well as uh, defining that cause for a business to be able to say, this is this is more than just a CSR program, but it, this is how we're going to be social res responsible to the world, but also to building a culture within our business that is sustainable. Yeah. And, and that's what we've built. The culture of good now is is uh, does consulting, and we have online products for uh, companies to deploy the tools within their business uh, on their own. I think that's absolutely incredible that you, that here you are one Sunday morning giving a sermon and the next thing you know, you're developing this program that's impacting businesses. And, um, and I think that what you shared connects with so many different types of, of thinkers um, because you have the yeah. people, like I said earlier, sort of that are going to connect more with the, okay, well, what are the results? What is, what's the ROI of this? You know, they want to sure. know, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, you you've you've shown um through uh through scott's business and and then the other businesses yeah. that you work with that this isn't just something that is um feel good <laughs> it is right, an right. actual it, it's business strategy um implementing yeah. these things in your business and i've seen it too in so many different businesses and um you know just just really tapping into the soul and the why of a of a business and i talk about tapping into your why all the time in everything that I yeah. do because it's so it's so important um and so you have that side of things that that's very uh 
you know, results based. And then over here on the other side for the people that really want that for sort of feel good thing yeah. and, and they're really passionate and they're uh, they're excited. You know, you can tap into that as well. So it really I think I think that's part of why it's so successful is because when you go into these businesses or when you when you share this with other people, you're able to connect with lots of different types of personalities just because of the nature of what you're doing. Um, so yeah. I, just, I think that's really incredible. And so, you know, here on the podcast, we have so many different types of listeners Um I have listeners who are uh, just employees and they've sort of maybe got a side hustle and they've got a dream of starting a business one day. Um, I've got listeners who are business owners, who are entrepreneurs, and I have people who maybe are are in the corporate world and they're happy there. Um, I've got job seekers. You know, you've got all these different types of people. Um, But I think that this is something that so many, like I said earlier, just so many different types of people can resonate with. So I, sure. I, I love, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show because I just love oh. this program and I, I love what you're doing and taking, um, you know, just taking your background and meshing it, meshing it with sort of that, that corporate background, um, that really helps to just impact more people. Yeah. You know, when you're in the nonprofit space, you're always you know, you start off with a great sense of purpose and many times you're trying to figure out the business side of it later on, you know, like, and, and, and asking, asking businesses that have profit to donate. Mm -hmm. So what happens in the, in, with the culture of good is we take, um, it's really the yin yang of, you know, profitability and purpose ability. Like we, we can, we can really lean into the purpose of the business as the business is more successful, but they're not exclusive. Like profit is not evil. It can be a great catalyst for good. And as profits increase when your employees are more productive and happier and connected to their purpose themselves, if it drives the results of the business, which we've seen it happen, like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you talk about ROI, Molly, you're, you know, for Scott, you know, he sees a reduction in employee turnover uh, by 20%, equaling $5.8 million a year for yeah. his business. Yeah. When you $5.8 million a year is not the touchy feely stuff. No. That's, that's like, that's, that's real proven results. Um, increased store sales uh, was, was a big one as well. You know, when, when you think about just employees coming to work and having that sense of purpose, but also, you know, at the end of the day, now, now you've, you've given the company a, a, a great why. And, and because you're able to drive results of success, you can do more good in the world. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately that that's where that profitability and purpose ability come together, become this yin yang and really work together in a, in a, a strategic way so that companies can drive the results that they're looking for by doing good so that they can do more good. It's a cool thing. Yes. Really a cool. to the men, Ryan, you are awesome. <laughs> um, so as usual for the listeners, I will have all of Ryan's information along with um, if you are a business owner, if you are in the corporate world and you are interested in bringing culture of good to your company, I will have the information on how you can do that in the show notes and how you can connect with Ryan. Uh, Ryan, this is the time of the show where we get to transition a little bit and get to know you on a a little more personal level. Um, And as my 
wonderful, amazing listeners know, this is also the portion of the show when my hilarious husband inserts who is my executive producer that's what i've titled him um he's my executive producer and he inserts a sound effect or movie clip or or tv show clip let's be honest it's usually something will ferrell or something from the office um (laughs) or uh or uh vince vaughn he he also thinks vince vaughn's hilarious um but he (laughs) will insert some type of clip here to transition us to the get to know you portion so ryan are you ready Yes. Okay. I'm awesome. Ready. <laughs> I suppose I am. I have no idea what to expect. I know. So I'm, I'm hesitantly ready. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the best part about it. Good morning, Vietnam. Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me, Da Nang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? Hey, is this a little too early for being that loud? Hey, too late. Okay, so first question is, what was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? My favorite TV show to watch growing up was MacGyver. MacGyver. <laughs> MacGyver, yeah, yeah, I love I, it. I, I don't know. Yeah, that was it. I, I love MacGyver. I are, just... are you a, um, an SNL fan at all, or have you been at any time? Did yeah, you ever see? Well, I I don't know if I'm a fan fan, but I've watched quite a bit of SNL for sure. Uh, did you ever see the, this was like from the late 2000s, mid 2000s, was Will Forte's MacGruber? Yes. Oh I my did. goodness. <laughs> it MacGruber, I will never forget the first time I saw a MacGruber sketch, and I was like, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> the- I, I loved it. It's so it's so cool. You know, yes. I think I'm like really, I, I hate to say it, but but MacGyver isn't known by a lot of younger people, which is really sad it because sad. they don't know how to like, you know, they don't know how to save a train from going off the rails with a piece of gum. Right. And that is the kind of stuff that the world needs yes. today. A- for sure. Because I feel Amen. like we're kind of like a train going off the rails. <laughs> Amen. That'll preach. That'll preach. Uh, okay. This is going to be a fun one. What is your go-to yeah. song at a karaoke night? Oh, definitely the Humpty Dance. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah, I, I was it. actually doing it yesterday in the car with my 20 year old daughter. We we were uh, driving and we, you know, we just flipped through channels. I was introducing her to all the old like 80s rock and roll. But then I was like, we got to get to some Humpty Dance. Oh, that is excellent. It's funny. When I ask people that question, there's two types of people. There are either people that hate karaoke and then there is everyone else. And everyone else (laughs) has that song. Like if you are a karaoke person or have done karaoke, you have your go to song. Like everybody. Mine is Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. And so. Yeah, that's a good one. That's really good. (laughs) Oh, man. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> if you were the ruler of your own country, what would yeah. be the first law you would introduce? Oh, wow. That's a great question. <laughs> if I were the ruler of my own country, the first law that I would introduce, you got me stumped on that <laughs> one. I'm not really sure. I wasn't expecting. This. I know. I know. I like. I like to. I like when I find the question that stumps somebody. <laughs> you know, this this is more the the heart heart part of me. 
um, and, and not so much the funny part, I, I would introduce um, equal rights for everyone. I like it. Yeah, I definitely would. I would. Um, yeah, I without like a it. doubt. I mean, I, w- I would I would go straight into that. I would go straight into, you know, discovering uh, what members of the population um, were oppressed and held under and and definitely I would I would move in that direction. I like it. I like you, Ryan. You and I sound like we'd be friends. Um, <laughs> uh, and then my last question, this is the question I love to ask everybody, is what are you most grateful for today? You know, I spent some time this morning in gratefulness. I do it every morning. Um, and not not to be totally cliche, no. but I am just increasingly every day um, – grateful for my wife and my girls. Um, I, I just feel incredibly blessed. They are the only three people that know me yeah. more than anyone else in the world. And they still love me. Mm. And that, that's really what I just spent my time in gratefulness this morning, because, you know, having lost my mom early on and dealing with abandonment and feelings like, you know, I'm not good enough and all that kind of stuff to, to be able to have someone in your life, um, that knows you and is still there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's one thing people knowing me on a podcast in 40 minutes, but you know, I mean, there's, I've got issues, Molly. I got stuff going on. There's <laughs> things doesn't? in my life that, you know, I'm not, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, I've, you know, a quick conversation like this, it, it can feel like, you know, well, they've got everything rocking on every level, but to, to have, to have someone in your life that will love you, um, in spite of all your stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I have three, yeah. um, that know me really well. And I am just crazy. I'm in a crazy state of gratefulness uh, today around that. So, yeah. I love it. I think that's the perfect answer. Uh, Ryan, this has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, And just thank you for everything that you do. Um, And I just really appreciate you telling your story and sharing it with everybody. And uh, look forward to staying in touch with you because you are awesome. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate that. I thank you for having me on. It's cool that you're in the space of continuing the conversation of how do we do business with purpose and having that great sense of calling and a why. And so keep using your voice toward that. And thank you for letting me share in that today. This was one of my favorite conversations I have had in a long time. Ryan and I actually surprisingly had a lot in common just about our backgrounds and our history. And I love how Ryan has used his pain and his past and experiences to impact so many others in incredible ways. As always, I'll have all the information in the show notes. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox. And don't forget, use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for your support week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you are subscribed to the show. 
Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, which means so much to me when you do, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose podcast or tag me at Still Being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.